What up, what up, guys? Andrew Boltbros here. Uh, it is going to be just me today, but I wanted to talk about Joshua Palmer. I had an interview with him uh, yesterday and um, want to get into it. So uh, throw your questions out. I'm going to review the entire notes. Guys, trust me, I pretty much asked every question that was on. <laughs> there was about 11 people on the call. I asked, you know, I would say the majority of the questions. So Pretty interesting conversation. So I want to review the notes. It's going to give some really interesting insight into what the Chargers are potentially going to do offensively moving forward this season. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened to me uh, on my way back from Arizona to Utah. So, guys, let's get into it. All right, guys, as always, Andrew, hey, Aether, how we doing? Good to see you. We are live, so just uh, throw your questions out. I'm going to talk a, quite a bit about uh, Josh Palmer and the scenario with him uh, on the on the uh, call we had yesterday. It was really great. It was awesome being there. The connection was horrible. Hey, Bull Babes, how we doing? Hey, Aether, Bull Babes, I know people are going to be rolling in. So let me, let me show you a funny picture. It's not funny. It was, it was a horrible situation over the weekend when I was driving out here back to Utah. Some of you do know this. I was actually living in Arizona and uh, very excited. So, guys, I'll tell you right now, this was an amazing interview. I was so lucky to be on it. I was kind of geeking out the entire time. So I'm going to talk more about that. Um, but let me, let, me show, let me show you what happened to me on the way back from Arizona to Las Vegas. Uh, here's my car. Um, yeah, that's a flat tire. Literally, I hit a pothole on the freeway, literally doing like a Dukes of Hazard type situation. It was absolutely scary. Funny enough, I was on the phone with Kyle at the time and uh, pulling in totally a, one of the weirdest, weirdest situations I've ever dealt with. Um, you know, uh, took forever to get a tire. Uh, I mean, I had to, had to drive all the way the rest of the way to Utah from Vegas on a used tire. Still on my car now at my home. And that's where I'm at now. Uh, but really interesting situation. So a um, couple of housekeeping things I wanted to just highlight to, on today's live episode because we're not sure if we can do live on Sunday. We're going to still try to. Kyle is actually in Utah right now. He's flew into Provo, landed about 30 minutes ago. Uh, so we'll be seeing him later on today and this week. And my brother James is actually out in Sedona in Arizona with his wife. And so there's a lot of things going on there. So um, anyways, I just wanted to give you an update. So we'll see what happens this weekend. But Two interesting signings that I, th I at least want to highlight and hopefully we'll also review on Sunday when we kind of go through a mock draft is what, what we were planning on doing. Uh, let me show you this. We got uh, our boy, Brendan Fajoko. What do you guys think about this signing with the Steelers? At least that's, that's the word on the street that he's signing with the Steelers, which kind of breaks my heart because it looks like he is most likely going to be gone uh, for this upcoming season. What do you guys think? Aether, Bull Babes, um, the other folks that are in the chat. Um, kind of an interesting situation here. You know, um, not sure what the numbers are specifically, but it looks to me like that he's going to go. And the other one, that which is interesting to me, as uh, we have our wide receiver, Mike Bandy, signed to the Houston Roughnecks um, in the XFL. I think it's interesting to see this stuff happen. But, you know, again, guys, these, these are players that weren't getting a lot of playing time on our team. But at least they can have an opportunity to, uh, you know, get some player playing time elsewhere. So, what do you guys think about these two uh, situations here? Um, okay, so let's talk about the actual important information. I'm going to review my notes 
um, and kind of go through it, right? Okay, so just so you guys know with the whole Josh Palmer conversation, guys, this was really interesting. I will tell you, I was, again, the connection was horrible, horrible. Um, Aether, okay, let me let me ask you, that. let me answer your question here, Aether, and then we'll, we'll get into a little bit into Josh Palmer. Um, but I'll talk a little bit about Josh Palmer first, and then I'll, I'll answer Aether's question, then we'll go from there. But um, the interview was really interesting. I guess it was a, a contest, and one of the podcasters that we had worked with in the past, uh, UCF Jag, gave us the link that he won, you know, obviously some time with a charger player. We didn't even know who it was. We were told the day before, I think two days before it was Josh Palmer. I talked about it, uh, I think on Tuesday before I left uh, Las Vegas back to Utah. And it was really interesting because I, you know, I had all these questions, the internet connection was horrible. So there was like every other word he was hearing. Um, but I did glean a lot of information about what this offense is going to look like. And so I really want to focus on that mostly and then, and then go from there. But let, let me answer Aether's question here, and we'll go from there. I have a serious question about Herbert's new contract. I was watching Lockdown Chargers. Uh, Daniel Wade said Herbert can't take the team franchise, probably franchise deal, will not allow this. What does that mean? It's a good question. Um, I think he can. I don't understand. And maybe, maybe I need to look into this a little bit more. Hey, Hefe, what's up? How are we doing? Good to see you. Um, I think he can. I don't know. And that might mean largely because of maybe the contract he had when he signed as a rookie. Um, but again, I don't really know for sure, Aether. So um, I'd have to get back to you on that question specifically. So, Hefe, we're going to talk quite a bit about my interview with Josh Palmer. I'm going to review my notes and go over what happened. So just some tidbits of information that went on the actual uh interview and it would really was an interview guys like there were literally questions um around it but you know hefe you'll probably be interested to hear about this too you know being in the division um we talked quite a quite a bit about um let me put it this way quite a bit about what this offense is going to look like next year now i'm going to get into that that's probably the meat of the conversation the rest is kind of interesting but i just want to i'll just brush over the parts that were interesting and then i'll talk more about what our offense might look like next year, which I thought was really cool. And guys, this is, this is insider information. So, you know, I was very excited when I got off of it. I just want to share it with you all and, and you guys can do what you want. So a couple things, Josh Palmer played basketball. You know, he's from Canada. He played soccer. He was a goalkeeper. Pretty interesting things about Josh Palmer. Um, some people asked him some questions. These are questions I didn't ask. <laughs> I don't ask questions like this. How do you want to unwind after a game? He's like, well, I chill in the locker room, then calm down. If you win, you go eat something. If you lose, you just go home. I thought that was kind of interesting. People kept asking about his warm-up routine. I'm like, these are just such weird questions to me. Um, and he basically said he does the same thing. He doesn't do any social media before he goes out there. Gets his mind ready for the game. I think a lot of players probably do that. Um, he started talking about um, – he actually, again, you know, he loves battling every defensive back. He mentioned a defensive back he fought against or, or battled against um, in the season. He really liked to play against. And I did not hear the name, guys, so I'm sorry. Um, and I will say this. I did ask him to hop on our podcast. He said he'd have to look into it. He gave me this whole politically correct answer. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and uh, anyways, so that was kind of interesting. Um, okay. So people ask him, what are you most looking for? Great games, memorable games, building off last year, getting healthy, 
He did talk about how our team had so many injuries that really hurt us. I think the general consensus in the locker room, at least what I got from Josh Palmer, was that was just very frustrating for the players. I think a lot of players were like, man, this sucks. You know, why, why did this happen? Um, and I thought it was interesting also that he does hang out with his existing draft class. So he kicks it with Trey McKitty quite a bit, and he does hang out with Mike and Keenan a lot. Um, and this is great. And Robert, I'm going to talk about this quite a bit. So, Robert, this right here, um, I'm going to talk about this a lot because during the interview, I got a lot of insight into what the plan is moving forward. So let me get into that real quick. But keep your questions coming, Robert, here as well, too. And uh, Aether, anybody else, you have questions, throw them out for sure. Um, okay, so one of the questions that um, James wanted me to ask, and guys, I'm not joking. I literally asked probably 20 questions. I was pretty much the only one asking questions. And I said, hey, I'm on the Bolt Bros podcast. You know, you guys need to hop on and check out. Again, I tried to get him to, you know, to hop on. But James wanted to ask the question around Jalen Hyatt. You know, Jalen Hyatt's coming into the draft. Funny enough, um, currently, Josh Palmer is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he's currently trading right now at the XPE in Fort Lauderdale. No joke. I bring this up. He literally says, oh, guess who showed up yesterday? Jalen Hyatt at the same trading facility in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I thought that was so interesting. And so we had this chuckle on the call and I said, oh my gosh, you know, so what do you think about him coming to the Chargers? Do you think it'd be a good fit for him? And he said, absolutely. The other thing I thought was really interesting about that specifically was I, I said, well, what does it take to be a good rookie in this league? And he said, you want to have some good vets around you. Now, let me go into this for just a second because I, thought, I found this very interesting around the room. Now, these are the questions I ask, guys. Um, the other questions were people – I don't even know why they ask these questions. I mean, I guess they're, they're interesting questions, but you could clearly tell they weren't podcasters, people that really dig deeper into some of these conversations with players. Um. But he said that, I said, well, what's it like working with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? And he said, they are amazing because they're, they're always there to help. Now, I brought up Mike Bandy because Mike Bandy talked a lot about that during uh, the preseason last season, right? He said, he said Mike Williams really helped him. And so did Keenan Allen really figure out how to play in the NFL because it's a very different game compared to the NFL and also, um, you know, the, you know, college game. So, what he said was, you really want to be in a locker room with a bunch of veterans. And, and, I, and so then I went back to Jalen Hyatt question. I said, hey, well, what do you think? Do you think Jalen Hyatt would fit in our locker room? He said, absolutely. He would be a great fit. Then the question came up. Now, the one good question that was asked by not me, somebody else, they said, well, what's it like when you're in a locker room and you have all these other um, wide receivers? And he goes, oh, you know what? Here's the thing. Nobody in that room is selfish. He said, I, I promise you, a lot of people don't believe me when I say this. He said, but there's enough meat to go around. Everyone can eat. And he made that very clear that everyone has a specific role. And again, that was under Lombardi. Again, I'm going to talk more about that as well, too, because that's going to be the meat of the conversation. And I'm literally going to be answering all your questions on this because we talked a little bit about that. But it was interesting to hear what he said. He said, you have to understand we have a very unselfish locker room. He did talk about Brandon Staley. And he really likes Brandon Staley. He loves the offensive coordinator, uh, now Kellen Moore. Um, and I'll go into that a little bit later. Uh, but there were some interesting conversations around that. 
I did ask him one other question before I go into Kellen Moore and then the meat of the conversation, because that's the meat of the conversation with his offense. And I'm going to answer all of your guys' questions as well. Um, and ben, throw more questions out as well, too. So I asked him the question was, do you feel like offensive coordinators in the NFL just have their offense and they just want to plug and play it, not look at the personnel or adjust on the fly? I did that pretty much because I, my belief was Joe Lombardi never made changes. And we see how statistically we performed in the third quarter. We were absolutely horrible, as you all know. And he said, I don't really have a way of answering that question because I only know what I know from, obviously, Joe Lombardi. So he he's probably the wrong person to answer, ask, answer that question. But what he did say is this, and this is the important part of the conversation. I want to go into now Kellen Moore. My first question to him was, what are your first impressions of Kellen Moore? He says, I have not met him yet. We've talked on a few calls, and that's it. He's meeting Kellen Moore. Um, uh, next week. So I think he said Wednesday is what he said. Again, the, the connection was pretty bad. Interesting thing though. He said, um, can you send me the Dallas playbook? Cause so I can start studying it. This is exactly what he said. And I thought this was absolutely awesome. And this is just what I wanted to hear. This is the leading question. He said, well, the Dallas playbook doesn't matter because and I'm, I'm going to read this exact quote. I think I got it all. Um, we are still fine-tuning the playbook for the strengths and weaknesses for each of the players on offense. And he said that will additionally change once we have or understand who we have in the draft and in off-season signings. And he does meet Kellen Moore next week. So they are behind the scenes now working on the actual playbook, meaning the playbook is not set, right? So he's going to look at what they have and build an offense and a play system around what the Chargers have, not go off what they had in Dallas. I thought that was amazing. What do you guys think about that? Because to me, what I never wanted to see, and I, what I always felt with Joe Lombardi, the reason why I asked the question, was I felt like Joe Lombardi had a playbook and he just continued sticking with it, not adjusting to players being injured and adjusting to better ways of beating the defense. He just said, hey, this is how we're going to run our offense. And he just continued moving forward with that. So it got really frustrating for me when, when I kept seeing that last season. And clearly, Kellen Moore said, nope, we're going to make an entirely new playbook. It's going to be completely different. Obviously, going to use the same plays, but they are going to take a completely um, tailored approach to this offense moving forward. So I'm going to ask the chat right now. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a bad thing? What do you think? Um, okay. And I'm trying to think of anything else in here that I think was really interesting. Um, he talked a little bit about college, the transition from the NFL. Um, let's see. He played a lot of basketball. We already talked quite a bit about that. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting um, and I'm going to go through your, your questions here as well. And then throw some more tidbits. There's a couple more thoughts in here. Um, he liked, let's see, um, his favorite game. And Aether, shoot your question out as well too, please. Absolutely. Uh, and he did say he, his, his favorite game, and this kind of broke my heart, guys, was we, when Brandon Staley's first season when we lost in the week 18 against the Raiders. He said that was an amazing game. He loved playing that game. He had so much fun. 
It, yes, it broke his heart. Um, he did talk quite a bit about the playoff loss to the Jags. Unfortunately, at that exact moment, most of the the thread was broken. It was so bad. Um, I didn't hear all of it, but what he said was it broke his heart, and he he still hasn't fully recovered from it. And he even said, I do remember him specifically saying this, that the team still has not recovered from that, and they are looking for revenge, So, which is great. Um, so, uh, on Hefe, good question. And Aether, throw your question out. And this is a good point. Um, one of the things I will say specifically also about the draft, I know we're going to talk more about this on Sunday, so I'm kind of avoiding that conversation a little bit, is Brandon Staley's very clearly wanting to get more explosive in the offense, and that's really what they're building right now with Kellen Moore. Um, I do think more wide receivers are going to be um, – and you're right, Hefe, they need to do a little bit more. They need to be a little bit more flexible, right? They can't just be a one-trick pony. Um, they do need to play inside and out. And I think, you know what? Your Chiefs wide receivers do a very good job of that as well, too. Okay, so let me get to some of your questions, and I'll sprinkle in some more information as, as it is uh, brought up here. So, Robert, this is a good point. And, again, it goes back to what I just discussed. Um, Brandon Staley... Everything I've read about him and also Tom Telesco uh, talking about the draft, they are. I do think that we're probably going to draft a wide receiver and a tight end probably first. Um, again, they are going to very clearly get at least a wide receiver and at least a tight end, and I think they might even get a running back depending on what happens with Austin Eckler's contract. Again, I still am at the camp believing that Austin Eckler is going to be back next season. And uh, uh, I do think we're going to probably get a, um, a running back. Now, I tell you, let me let me give you this let me give you this bit of advice. If we sign B. John Robinson, then Austin Eckler is going to be gone, one hundred percent. Or sorry, if we draft B. John Robinson, then Austin Eckler is going to be gone, because you never know how long this is going to drag on, right? Because there's a good chance this could drag on for an extremely long amount of time. But let me be clear: if we draft B. John Robinson before the Austin Eckler contract is established, then it's a done deal. Uh, Austin will no longer be with us. Now, my brother Kyle, and I think even James brought this up, what if there was a trade uh, day scenario trading Austin Eckler off on the day of the, the draft? Like we trade him away for a second and maybe a third or a second and fourth or something of that nature, so that could happen potentially. Or a trade-up scenario, maybe where we trade up uh, and trade Austin Eckler away uh, for like a first, second, and third or something of that nature. I, you know, who knows? But there's a lot of ways that that could play out moving forward. Um, I do think that's going to happen. Okay, Optimus Rhyme. And keep your thoughts coming through, guys. Um, okay, I went back and looked at the Jags game, and I'm convinced that the Chargers should not draft another running back until they can prove that they can figure out how to use the ones they have com com competently. I want to talk about that. That's a great question. Um, and give me a second here. I'm going to try and pull up something. Um, give me a moment, guys. Uh, let me, let me try to, um, oh, here we go. I have it right here. All right. Let me do this here. G give me, give me two seconds here. This is, that's a, that's an awesome thought. So awesome that I'm actually going to try and do this real quick on the fly and, you know, forgive me. Um, I'm on my laptop. It's a little difficult here sometimes. So give me a second here. This, this is a really, really good, uh, okay, here we go. All right. Hopefully you guys can see my screen. Let me go back. Okay. All right. Let me share. There we go. This is great. So uh, let me see if I can pull this up here. I don't know if you guys can see this very well here. Guys, this, this, is, the, this is the loveliness of, of live. So basically, hopefully you guys can see this. 
this is what our offensive line is going to look like next next year. I'm going to be very clear about the running game that we had last season. Okay, I don't believe our running game was bad. I think our defense, our our, our offensive alignment was not ideal. Okay. So the argument is, well, and, and not only that, our offensive scheme was horrible. Again, you know my, my feelings about Joe Lombardi. He should have been let go on the bye week. He shouldn't have gone past that at all. But this is what our offensive line is going to look like. Left tackle, uh, uh, Slater. Left guard, we're moving Zion Johnson from the right side to the left side. That's his more natural position. Center, Corey Lindsley. Right guard, Jamari uh, Salyer. And right tackle, uh, Trey Pipkins. Now, to answer your question that our running game will be better because of this realignment, and that's what I'm getting at, right? It's not just that our offensive scheme was bad. You have to remember, Jamari was not an edge defender most of his time in Georgia. He really played the right side more. So it's more of his natural position. Now, one of the things that I've learned also in the combine when they're evaluating players, I was watching, uh, I can't remember. I was watching the linemen, you know, the big boys running around and it was really interesting seeing how they, um, what's the term? Um, they would run to the right. They would move to the left. They would do all these different things and they were clocking each one of these things. And I was like, why are they doing that? But then it dawned on me, they're, they're evaluating. Do they turn better to the right or they turn better to the left? Were they more natural at now? Jamari, that's partially why it was so impressive that he, what he did, what he did. Yes, he did play some left guard in college, but that wasn't his natural position. And you got to remember, you got the two big boys, you got the two guards that are there. Make no mistake, but in the running game, usually those guys are pulling to open holes, right? So they get to the second level. They go to the linebacker, they move up, up you know, and start hitting safeties and clearing pass for the running game. Because of the injuries we had last season, we had a lot of players playing out of alignment or players that are not in their natural position. So I think that personally hurt the running game quite a bit. Optimus Ryan, did that answer your question? Um, at least that's my opinion. So, uh, Robert Sumo, this is great. Now, I want to talk more about this as well. And this is a big part of what I gleaned from the interview that we had with Josh Palmer, guys. Kellen Moore will do much better and figure out how to use the players. I'm confident of him. And that's exactly right. Again, my feeling, and that was a loaded question that I threw out there for Josh Palmer, was that I felt Lombardi had a scheme and he just didn't change it. He didn't move anything around. He didn't evaluate anything differently. He didn't say, oh, Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen's out. Let's switch it up. No, he just kept everything the same, didn't make any adjustments. And that doesn't work in the NFL. So uh, Kellen Moore, and again, this is one of the biggest things I learned from that call from Josh Palmer, is that he's going to build a system around the team he has and utilizing what everyone does best and moving forward. So I think it's going to be really interesting. Like, like a great example, one of my predictions is that Donald Parham is really not going to be utilized much as a tight end. He's going to be utilized more as a wide receiver, right? I just, that's what he's good at. He's a tall guy. He's an excellent target in the end zone. And that's what he's going to be doing, in my opinion. Uh, okay. Ask this to Josh. Are there any wide receivers that you're looking at? Well, again, he's funny. I So the, another, another question that I asked was, are you communicating with some of your ex-Tennessee players? He said, yeah, so that's the whole Jalen Hyatt conversation. But then he said that he thinks Jalen Hyatt would fit very well in the Chargers system because of the veteran leadership with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right? So it would be very interesting. Um, 
and I think I think that that'll definitely happen here. So okay, um, I love that because now defenses will keep their heels. We won't uh, know what to expect. Dunkin' Donuts offense from Larbardi. That's exactly right, and and that's really what he did. And again, the whole point of Kellen Moore. Let, let me tell you why I'm all excited about Kellen Moore. Um, that Kellen Moore does not. Let me put it this way. Lombardi's system was all about moving the chains. It was not about being explosive. It was about getting first down, getting first down, getting first down, and then getting to the red zone and figuring out the red zone when you're in the red zone. That's not a winning combination. That's not a winning situation. Everything had to be perfect for us to win a game and score points. Justin Herbert had to be perfect during every game because he couldn't get drop balls. He couldn't get – it had to be perfect. And when you have a team break up a couple passes and they just figure out how to stop our offense, which was very vanilla, it doesn't work. Now, Kellen Moore is going to do a very good job of scheming people open, right? You look at teams like the Chiefs. One of the things that I watched after the Super Bowl was that one play that they ran twice to score touchdowns. They called it hot dog. Or no, sorry, corn dog. <laughs> it's hilarious because he kept saying – it was a very simple scheme because you'd have one guy run this way. They'd kind of run together and they move off. Now we did that one play once I was at the game chargers and the Cardinals when we had Keenan Allen and we had Gerald Everett at the goal line. I thought this was the only play that was great that Joe Lombardi called all season. Keenan Allen came up, he got double covered. Everett came through on the two point conversion. We won the game. He was wide open because of the double coverage towards Keenan Allen. Very similar type of play that the corn dog was that the Chiefs use. My point in bringing that up is Kellen Moore will run more plays like that. Scheming players open, making it easy for Justin Herbert to move the ball down the field. Get first downs, get five yards, get 10 yards, right? Clearly, Joe Lombardi did not run an offense like that. His offense was really based on spreading things out, trying to create one-on-one matchups, and Justin Herbert had to decide, this is a one-on-one matchup, they're playing cover two, cover three. This guy will be open on the five-yard out. He'll be open in the flat. He will make these pre-read snaps and then go that route. So bottom line, I think Kellen Moore will make it easier for our team to move the ball down the field because he's a lot more inventive and he's going to scheme players open. So, okay. Um, okay, so let me get your question here, Aether. All right. Everyone keeps saying trading back. I want the bolts to trade up for Nolan Smith. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's the guy that we need uh, for next year, please. It makes sense for trading down, but we needed, uh, we need to win now. And Aether, I don't really disagree with you. In fact, I would say this, you know, going back to the whole Austin Eckler conversation that could happen, even game, even trade, you know, day and guys, we are going to be live. We're going to go live. Um, we're going to try and invite a lot of the other podcasters that we've had on, you know, maybe USC Jag, whoever can hop on. Um, We've already talked to uh, Wild West Podcast, so all the AFC West folks. Um, anyways, we're going to have a pretty good draft day event, so we want you guys to, to jump on now. Um, the trading up scenario makes sense, and that might be where Austin Eckler gets dealt. Now, you know, and again, Nolan Smith, I think that guy's a stud. Now, the argument against him is that he's a little bit small. Um, now, the good thing about the NFL, you see Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is, what, 170, I think, at Boston College. Now he's about 180. He's gotten pretty ripped. So there's a lot There's a lot going on there. And Optimus Rhyme, you're not wrong. I do think um, – so, Aether, hopefully I answer your question. If not, ask another follow-up question. Um, 
And I do think the Chargers are probably going to draft a couple of wide receivers this season. I think there's going to be plenty, right? I think we need more speed. We don't have that. And fitness, I kind of agree with you. But I will say this. Um, Eckler wants to be with the Chargers. Everything I've read, he is not unhappy. The problem is, I think we're trying to sign other players, right? The, the argument is that we're still trying to try and, trying to sign uh, John Johnson, JJ3, um, as a safety. Uh, there was another um, person that we're trying to sign as well, too. Um, I'm just trying to blank on the name at the, at the moment. But there are a few people that are still being targeted in free agency. And one thing, speaking of free agency, one thing that Brandon Staley and, and Tom Kolosko have talked about quite a bit is that uh, this year's free agency was very different than last year's, right? We spent a lot of money last year, and they were very clear, hey, we don't have a lot of money to spend. I think that's partially why this negotiation with Austin Eckler is still so ongoing. Um, okay. Marvin Mims. Yep. There we go. And honestly, all those guys are great. The good thing about this draft and everything I've read on, and by the way, guys, I have seen so much. <laughs> by the way, mock drafts crack me up. They're, they're, they're ridiculous because everyone has a different opinion and everyone has a different idea of what we need, what we don't need, right? Um, I'm of the belief that this team is going to go heavy in the offense this season. I have a sneaky suspicion. Of, by the way, agree or disagree with me on this, guys. Do you think we're going to go more offense or more defense this season in the draft. I'm of the belief we're going to go more offense. And I'm going to tell you why. I think now, again, agree or disagree with me, guys. Just say yes, no, offense, defense, whatever you want to say in the chat. The problem is that I think now this team and our coaching staff, Brandon Staley specifically, has said, okay, we can't stop the Chiefs. We can't stop the Eagles. We can't stop. They're going to score points. So guess what? We need to make this a shootout. We need to score as more points than the other team. And that's what I think the thought is now. Matt Money-Smith talked about it. Chris Harris talked about it. I think we're going to go pretty heavy offense um, this season. And again, you got to remember too, guys, next season, I, th- I was talking to James about this just yesterday in our chat, um, that I believe Keenan Allen has $30 million on his contract next season. We can't afford that. It's just, it's not going to happen. So, you know, Allen, Williams, there's going to be some, some tough decisions made. So I do think we're going to probably load up on wide receivers. Phone, phone. Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you here. Um, and let's see. Okay. So, Robert, you're right. Parham can line up anywhere in the line of scrimmage. You're right. He needs to, he needs to bulk up. Um, the other guy that I really like as far as the tight end is concerned, but I don't think he'll be there at 21. Uh, is the, the the big dude from Georgia. I'm drawing a plank on his name for life of me. Um, anyways, that guy is just an absolute beast. I, I kind of view him as an, another offensive lineman. He's just that guy. So very, very cool. Um, okay, so let me just see here. Uh, all right, so Robert, good point. Yep, five picks of offense, two for defense. I, I think that makes perfect sense. Look, again, remember, we just signed Kendricks, okay? Veteran linebacker going to be sitting next to K9. Um, obviously, there's a lot of shade coming out of Drew Tranquil at the moment. It's, it's, it's pretty frustrating. But make no mistake about the whole Drew Tranquil signing with the Chiefs. Oh, there we go. Ricky. Man, I, I was like, why, why couldn't I? Thank you, Rick. I appreciate that. Um, that guy's a freaking beast. 
The Drew Tranquil conversation to me is interesting because bottom line, Brandon Staley made a decision. He said, okay, Kendricks is available. I want him over Drew Tranquil. That's it. That's it. And, you know, Drew gave a lot. You know, last season he was injured a ton. And it's kind of a bum, it's kind of a bummer to me that he wasn't um look. I think the Chargers wanted him, but for the amount of money we signed Kendricks for compared to Drew Tranquil, clearly Brandon Staley believes Kendricks is better than Drew Tranquil. And that's the harsh reality. So it it is, it is definitely a harsh reality. So all right, so let me get back to your question here. Robert. Okay. Uh, Ricky, good question here. So let me throw this one out here and keep your questions coming guys. I got about another 10 minutes here. Do you think that a lot of Justin getting his um, passes batted down at the line was due to drinking, <laughs> thinking and dunking. So we have actually talked about this, my, my brothers a lot. We have a sneaky suspicion that one, it was the offense that was being ran Two, his rib injuries were very, he was dealing with him a lot longer in the season than he wanted to talk about. I think it was after week five, it really became a non-conversation, but let me be very clear. I think he was hurt more than he even led on um, the entire season. So I think part, if you've ever had, is it, if anybody in this chat have had a rib injury, it hurts. Trust me, even laughing, even talking, coughing, moving, it hurts. So, and again, Justin Herbert was also very cryptic in whether or not he got the shot that the whole Tyrod Taylor incident happened when he started. Um, so I have a sneaky suspicion that part of that was one, the offense system was kind of broken down and that became his sort of safety blanket moving forward. Um, I cannot remember. I think it was Kurt Warner who did a video on Justin Herbert and how there was a lot of people open downfield in the second level. And he just kept dinking and dunking it down the field. And I think part of that was largely due to the, his injuries. So, so my hope is that he can get healthy. I think it was more of an issue in that. If you notice also Ricky as well, last season, he was doing a lot more of sidearm type throws. I think my sneaky suspicion on that, it's a little bit easier, a little bit less um, pressure on your ribs. If you're throwing it more sidearm, but I think you lose a lot of accuracy. And I think that's why he had so many batted passes as well. So that's my take. Hopefully I answered your question. Um, oh, there you go. Great. Robert. Hey, great minds just think alike. Yep. There you go. Um, look, I, I, I think a, a healthy Justin Herbert is going to be huge for us. Um, and yeah, wide receiver drafted to have run play and blocking skills. So I'm going to say one of the things that has always frustrated me about our wide receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you go back and look at the film. We do not block downfield. Okay. They are not helping in the running game. The other thing that I have not brought up. Well, I guess I did on a couple of other episodes. If you watch our videos, Kellen Moore will not, he will not tolerate that. He wants to see his wide receivers block and hold their blocks for running plays. The charters were not good at that last season. We were terrible. In fact, very frustrated. Um, and so I do think that there's going to be a lot more run blocking um, from the wide receivers, your Keenan Allen, your Mike Williams. Um, and this is a good point. We have lost a lot of pieces. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, I do think we're going to draft some defense as well too, Carlos, but I don't know that it'll be first or second rounds, right? I think they're very high on Tito Obonia. Um, a lot of people are talking about him coming back and looking pretty sharp. Um, 
and Carlos, I would, this is why I like Donald or Darnell Washington so much. Not, not only will he help the offensive line opening holes, but he'll also catch the ball. Also, um, he's basically going to be treated just like another offensive lineman. And, and it will put a lot of running game pressure away from Donald Parham so he can be more true wide receiver-esque moving forward. So I really like that. Um, okay. So let me go down here. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. And victim. Yes, he did. Um, and it was his non-throwing shoulder. So that happened in the off season, kind of an interesting situation. Um, it, it, it's a, they haven't really talked quite a bit about that, but it's, it, I don't know if you remember at the very end of the last season, he kept having this athletic KT tape on, on that, his non-throwing arm. Not that that was really interesting, but he did get his shoulder surgery. It wasn't a very, you know, intri- it wasn't a, um, you know, it was basically like a, a quality of life kind of injury that he needed to just get cleaned up during the offseason. That's a good way of describing it. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. Torn labrum. It was something of that nature. I know it was a labrum something. You know, I don't know if it was, or maybe it was cleaning up the labrum. It was something of that nature. Thank you, Carlos. Yes. Um, all right. So let's let's read this one from Officer Rhyme. Um, it would not be popular, but drafting Jack Campbell or Brian Branch to replace the worst starters is not a bad idea. So Jack Campbell, Brian Branch. I'm trying to remember. Matthew Dahl. Good to see you here as well, too. And um, maybe let me know a little bit more about those two guys. I'm not really totally familiar with those guys. Um, yep. And I really do believe, Ricky, you're, you're 100% right. So, and, and Robert Sumo, he does love his Bulldogs. I think the entire NFL loves Bulldogs because those are getting some of the highest rated uh, players out of high school. A lot of the good players are going from there. And you're exactly right. You can't even talk afterwards. It's so rough. Um, okay. And drafting defense. Now let, let me talk a little about the defense. And then if you have any more questions, throw them out right now. I need to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, the one thing that's interesting about this team guys, and this is where it's kind of interesting. Tom Telesco has talked about this a few times, and I want to, I want to be very clear about something that I said, even before the season, last season, our draft that we did last year was really all around depth. You think about who we have, JT Woods. Brandon City's talking about JT Woods. He's very high on JT Woods. JT Woods just needs to learn how to play the NFL game properly, right? He needs to understand tackling better. He needs to understand how to do some of these things a little bit better. Moving forward, all the draft for the most part are going to be depth draft this season and most likely next season because our team is getting old, guys. Let's, let's be very clear. Austin Eckler's 28. The NFL does not want running backs past 30 years old, and he wants a thick contract. He's not, he's not going to get it. I mean, he'll get something for sure. He'll land somewhere. Again, I still think we're going to re-sign him. But this team is getting old. So guess what? We're probably going to draft a lot of players for depth across this draft. So, again, a lot of people get very frustrated with Tom Telesco and say, well, these are stupid drafts. Why are you picking these guys? These are, these are horrible. Look, I think part of what we have to also evaluate is how many veterans are on this team. And right now, currently, we have a ton of veterans. And quite frankly, a lot of veterans that are not going to be here probably in two years because their contracts are getting extremely expensive and extremely bloated. Perfect example, uh, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, 
right? Probably even JC Jackson. We not we don't even know what's going to happen with him. By the way, JC Jackson is the highest paid player on this team this season. Um, it's good to see him come back as well too. So um, a lot of a lot of interesting things are going to happen. So so my point is, we need to get younger, right? And we need some of these younger players to learn from these veterans so they can step up in two years. And Tom Telesco and Brandon Savage both talked about this quite a bit. That um, these are these drafts are going to be largely for depth moving forward. And what's up out of your Falcon mind? How we doing? How we doing? Good to see you. Um, and I will say this, uh, branch safety. Oh yeah. Alabama. Ah, got it. So that's great. Thank you, Ricky. And so I have a bias. I have a bias guys. Now you tell me this, if you have a choice in the draft, would you draft a player that went to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state over Joe blow state, you know, Northern who cares, Colorado, right? Uh, where Eckler went. I've always been a big believer of getting players from these bigger colleges rather than smaller colleges, because not only are they five-star recruits or four-star recruits, they also have intangibles. Now, I will tell you one thing that Brandon Silly talked about quite a bit on the, um, the episode I did earlier about the owner's um, meeting, he started talking about how evaluating players is very important. Brandon Staley's defense is not easy to run. Okay, let me make that very clear. It's not, right? Let's do it consequently. Like, look at Gus Bradley. We all know Gus Bradley ran cover three 90% of the time. That's all he ran. He still does it now. And uh, in fitness, you're 100% correct. Better coaches as well, too. And again, you go to Alabama, Alabama, um, there's a lot of talent there. So you're sometimes people are hid behind depth charts because they can't get field time because you got somebody that's amazing in front of them. They're equally as good, but they haven't had a lot of field time. So you don't really know how good they are. But Brandon Slade specifically talked about smarts. He made it, he made a really interesting example. He said, what I would do, and this is an insight in how he evaluates players and their smarts. He will look at all 1,000 plays, I'm throwing a number out there, and he actually used that number, of 1,000 plays of a player on the field. Let's say he's a safety. What they would look at is, did he read the play correctly? Now, and this, this is defense. This is, he used the example on defense, not offense. And what he's trying to evaluate, did that person understand what they were doing offensively and where he needed to be to be part of that play, meaning knocking it down, making it uh, break up, whatever, right? And the reason he brings that up is he started talking about size. And I believe he was talking about this specifically when he was talking about Eric Kendricks and Drew Tranquil and when he's evaluating players in the draft. The reason why he does that, he wants to know, does this person make intelligent decisions on the field? Now, he also mentioned that there's a lot more that goes into that. He has a scoring system, and he says this guy is extremely high scoring. He has a good head on his shoulders. He understands you know, where he needs to be to be effective for his team. And so, again, when you start thinking about drafting players, it's a big part of an intangible, not just cone drills or jumping up and hitting those little things, and I can jump this high, I can bench whatever, and I'm 
315 pounds as an offensive lineman. I could run a 4-3 whatever, right? He talks about intangibles and understanding the offense and where or offense and the defense side of the ball, where he needs to do to be better. Um, in fitness, you're exactly right. Um, and and I, again, <laughs> this is a good point. Um, I'm really glad you brought this up. So K9 has frustrated me, and I think he's also frustrated Brandon Staley. Um the thing about K9 is he doesn't fully understand where he needs to be. You're exactly correct. And I think you're exactly right. When, he, when his defense is run, it's extremely complicated. Again, I don't know the ins and outs on it. Obviously, I just do not. It's not like I'm in the locker room or even have an idea of what really happens. But just know this. that You see certain formations. Your role is different in every single formation, right? Jumbo, your safety you have a completely different role. So you have to evaluate what is in front of you and make the correct decision. There's a million things that have to happen. So that person has to process what to do moving forward. And so, hate to say it, if you're not smart, quite frankly, Brandon Sealy doesn't want you. That's probably a rude way of saying it, but in the way he runs the defense, you have to be able to make decisions on the fly. If you don't do that, it doesn't work out. Speaking from experience, this is a good question here. Speaking from experience, we had a GM that tried to be this, the smartest guy in the room and find talent from the smaller schools. It's possible, but unfortunately, he sucked at it. You know what? You're exactly right. Look, you could get lucky. Even a blind squirrel finds an, a, a nut every once in a while, right? Or, you know, the saying, as I like to say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Look, I, I'm going to be very clear about something. The whole Austin Eckler undrafted piece, look, he got lucky. Right. Austin Eckler worked his butt off and he he became the man that he is and the player that he is. Mike Davis, another great example. He was undrafted from BYU. Um, he became the player that he is. So Telesco, I promise you, was he wasn't the number one guy on the board. And, you know, he was just there. Um, but again, I just always believe small schools, again, they're lower ranked players and out of high school. And then they go to a small school and it's kind of like, hey, I'm the best of the worst, right? You're not playing top talent, right? You're playing top talent in Clemson. You're playing top talent in Auburn. You're playing top talent talent at Alabama, Georgia, you know. So I feel like if you want the best, you need to draft from the best draft class. And to me, that's those folks from Georgia. And I think the NFL is really tr- trending that direction. Um, it's pretty interesting. So um, exactly correct, DZ. That, by the way, that's a, that's a great point. And in fact, I'm really glad you brought that up because and I do need to wrap this up here pretty shortly. So one or two more questions and more thoughts, and then we'll go from there. Gus Bradley had a very simplified defense. It was simple, guys. It was very, very, very simple. And it still shocks me that he's even being a defensive coordinator. But again, I think he's also seen the fact that in the NFL – it doesn't really matter that your defense has to be flashy unless you're like the Steelers. The Steelers are defense first team and they kind of have offense later. But Gus Bradley kept it very simple. And you're right. K9 had raw talent, but probably doesn't have the smarts. I know it's a bit of a knock against K9, but I think in Staley's defense, let me put it this way I don't suspect we will re sign him. I do believe this is his last year in his rookie contract. Unless he has a breakout year. 
I don't think he's going to be our guy. Um, okay, it's fair to say the defense that Staley runs works only with a guy like Aaron Donald and can actually stop the run. Corey, you're exactly right. In fact, you, you are 100% right. And, and, and I'll tell you why that is the case, because we run such light boxes against the run, right? Typically, in the NFL, they do, they do what's called a plus six, or they go a, a plus one. They call it a six-man in the box. Either way, you have five offensive linemen in the typical formation, but you have six men on the box on defense to have that plus one to stop the running back, okay, because the running back's not on the line. So basically, you go man-to-man, right? But you have the plus one, hopefully the middle linebacker, a K-9, to stop the run. Brandon Staley doesn't run that. He usually runs light boxes. We're talking four, maybe even five in the box. So you need a guy like Aaron Donald to plug those holes. And unfortunately, that guy's a bit of a freak of nature, and we all know how, how good he is as a player. Um, uh, yes, he isn't an amazing run stopper, but he's very good at interior pass rusher. Exactly correct. But again, they're not mutually exclusive, right? I think either way, they they both run a specific benefit, right? Penetrating, getting the quarterback, blowing up the play, plugging holes. Typically, what Brandon Staley runs is he runs a gap and a half. So meaning an offensive lineman, they, they call it a tight front. It's actually something that they start, well, the better way of describing it is we know the RPO offense, right? Run pass option. What will happen is you run a tight front. You have a nose tackle, and then you have the two defensive linemen in the middle. We do a bit of an iteration on that. It's, it's a bit of a variation, but ultimately what they're doing is they're covering a gap and a half. They do that because they want to cover the gap. So the problem is if you run into the A gap and then, and then the play is going for the B gap, you have to be able to recover and move back and cover that B gap. That is a very unique and rare player. And that is Aaron Donald, though, right? That's what makes him so good and so good in Brandon Staley's defense. But, you know, guys like Aaron Donald are hard to come by. We all know that. Um, okay. So we'll end with this guys. Uh, I saw something on Twitter that said the conversation of four, three to three, four defense is the reason why the defense has been so awful. Not sure. I buy it. Your thoughts. I don't even, I would almost argue that we don't even run a four, three or a three, four Brandon Staley runs his own version of defense. And he really does. Um, do you remember the game? I'm drawing a blank on the game. Oh my God. I'm drawing a blank on the game. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, when we played the Dolphins, okay, the Niners played the Dolphins and the, the Niners stopped the Dolphins. Niners are the number one defense in the league. We didn't think, even myself included, I didn't even think we were going to beat the Dolphins. I remember specifically in the interview, the postgame show, and Brandon said was pissed off at this question. He said, and I can't remember the exact question, but he said something to the effect of, um, did you guys just replicate what the Niners did. That's a bit of a slap in the face, right? You know, and again, the NFL is a copycat league, but Brandon said it was very clear. He says, no, we did not. We ran a variation of our own defense that stopped Miami. And what he further said was, was that they run a man zone scheme. That's really what he runs. My point is, Everyone has a zone on the field, even defensive linemen included, right? So we talk about gap coverage. It's the same for corners, safeties, all the above. They all manage it very differently. So my point in saying this, it's really not a 4-3. And he really, 
operates very differently in all of that, right? He might run a little bit extra. Now, again, one of the things that I, I've always said over and over again, that I want to see Derwin James rush the passer more frequently than he has in the past. He has not done that a whole lot in his NFL career. I'm hoping that he starts doing that moving forward. So, um, yep, that's that's very true, Kansi. Okay, yep, yep. And, you know, there's a lot of guys. We are going to be doing some mock draft episodes. Um, again, I like the conversation of trading down. I think, you know, again, if the argument is that this is all about depth, I think more picks is better than no picks and less picks, right? So I'm a big believer that I think we need more picks. And so I would – where this team has to go dollar-wise here very shortly, losing some veteran players, I think having you know, quantity over quality to some degree is a good thing. And that, that's kind of my thought. And I believe that way because I do think there's a lot of value in the draft. And Tom Telesco and Brandon Silly have talked about that quite a bit when they keep talking about drafts. So, guys, we went way over. But I wanted to go live and talk to you about Josh Palmer. And, guys, if you guys didn't hear everything he said, I'm just going to give you a brief recap, and then I'll end the stream. But Josh Palmer specifically said that this offense is going to be really developed with the player personnel that we have. Okay? They are not going to take anything away from what happened in, you know, Dallas but they are going to, he's going to specifically tailor an offense that he wants to run here for the Chargers with the player personnel that we have moving forward. And I think a lot of it, it's going to be, it's going to be something that's going to happen specifically moving forward through the entire season, preseason, you know, spring training camp, all the above. It's going to be a very, very long process of developing this team's offense, offensive scheme. So I'm excited, guys. And again, DZ, you're right. Trading back with the possibility of trading Eck. Yep, two to four. I think it could happen. I really think it could happen, guys. I mean, to some degree, if, if Eckler, let me put it this way. This is partially why I'm so excited to do a live episode on this because I do think that there's a chance that could happen on trade on, on the trade day. I mean, he's the, by far one of the biggest signings out there right now. So I promise you there's conversations going on behind the scenes and teams are going to say, okay, look, if, if, you know, I'll trade you the number 17 pick, um, but you give me Eckler and your number two or something of that nature. Or number three, you know, who knows how that's going to play out. Um, if we want to trade up, who knows, right? And, and again, I think trade, if nothing happens, which I don't suspect until the draft happens, that could be the, that could be the situation. Um, awesome. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate you guys. And again, if you guys have not liked and subscribed, please do. It does help out the channel. And again, we're here to support you guys, right? We do this because we want to engage with fans. We want to have conversations like this. Again, it's the offseason. There's not a whole lot to talk about, but I really wanted to share with you this one-on-one -on -one interview I had with Josh Palmer and talk about some of my thoughts here moving forward. But as always, guys, um, I'm Andrew Bolpros. Like and subscribe. Check us out on all the social medias, guys. We're on Twitters. We're on the Instagram. We have all kinds of different content all over the place. Um, when we do a live on Sunday, which I do believe we're going to do, uh, we most likely will do our mock draft conversation. So come prepared for mock draft thoughts, what you think. Maybe even share your mock draft. Maybe have it ready. Put your mock draft in the chat. We're going to go through that quite a bit. So as always, guys, Andrew, Bolt Bros, see you guys in the next one.